speakers behind me, they'll be giving you a piece of um, a couple of topics. Um, some connected to Star Wars or space in general. Uh, and they will all be available at the end of questions. So please keep those at the very end. I'm sure you probably have a few. Um, but yeah, keep those till later. So first up, we have Brad Siegler. Um, and he is the co-host and creator of Dallas Geek. Dallas Geek is an online show and podcast all about the Dallas culture and uh, their opinions on major geek media. They have interviewed fantasy authors, cosplayers, and have covered many of the fandom conventions that have happened here in DFW. So please welcome to stage Brad to talk about Star Trek fandom history. Hey everybody. My name is Brad and I'm a nerd. <laughs> now, I know that may not be terribly shocking these days because if there's one thing that pop culture's taught us, it's that nerds are cool now. But that wasn't always the case. In fact, when I was growing up, the last thing that you wanted to do in public in front of a group of people like this was admit that you were a nerd. In fact, it was so terrifying that I was genuinely embarrassed to say that I liked the nerdy things that I did because to do so was just to invite ridicule and torment and the most juvenile mockery that you can imagine. But that's not how it is anymore. And I mean, obviously the fact that I host a show in one of the most public forums known to man, the internet, where my co-host and I talk about nerdy things on a weekly basis to everybody, kind of tells you that I'm not embarrassed to call myself a nerd anymore. But why? <laughs> well, a lot of things have happened, but the one thing that you can always go back to as the main reason why the public has become more accepting of nerd culture is the original pillar of nerd everything, Star Trek. Yes, that Star Trek, the thing that if, you were to, if I were to ask you what is the most stereotypically nerdy thing you can possibly imagine, every single one of you would think Star Trek and its fans, the Trekkies, because I know you think it, because that's what I think, and I am a nerd. But there's a reason for that. And this thing that has been around for over half a century, the fact that it has continued to affect our society today, and continue to make a difference today. Why? I can tell you that in 1962, President John F. Kennedy sat in front of the world and said, we will put a man on the moon. One of the most crazy and outrageous things that somebody could have said. Something that was a fun idea, maybe really imaginative, but not exactly realistic. And then one year later, this tiny little cheesy science fiction show called Star Trek premiered. This creative endeavor by Gene Roddenberry that came into our living rooms on a weekly basis and showed us a crew made up of people from all nationalities and all ethnicities that continue to go beyond the moon to the outer reaches of our galaxy to explore new life, new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I could tell you that because of this, it inspired hope and 
creativity in generations from then until now and will continue to inspire generations for years and years to come. I could even tell you that all of these things all came at the most unique time in history that only Star Trek could have filled this need. I could tell you that. But that's not why it's become so popular. It's not why nerds are so publicly acceptable today. That is simply why Star Trek has lasted as long as it has. The reason why Star Trek has made nerds matter is because of the stories. You see, Gene Roddenberry understood one thing that nobody else did at the time. That you can take big, important issues, critical issues to our society today, and if you put it out in a far-off land, in this big, fanciful environment that is beyond your normal imagination, beyond our society today, you can talk about things that would normally be considered difficult. And people would listen. You could actually say something that mattered and nobody would argue. Nobody would tell you that you can't say that. They would listen and they would talk about it too. All art has always been able to give some kind of message. It has always been able to have something to say to the people that view it, and a message that the creator meant, and a message that the audience perceived. But what Gene Roddenberry realized is that when this art is brought into your living room, into your home, on a weekly basis, they can take that message, that ability to communicate and weaponize it. You can make your words matter and continue to have an effect, a new effect every single week, that all of a sudden, this thing, this entertainment that had been originally relegated to the same level as B-horror movies, suddenly had social meaning. So much meaning, in fact, that when Michelle Nichols, one of the main cast members of the original series, was considering leaving the show, Martin Luther King Jr. came to her and begged her to stay on because he understood the same thing that Gene Roddenberry understood, that the message of Star Trek mattered, that the platform mattered. And now, they could talk about things like race and equality, and they could do so at the height of the Civil Rights Movement and the height of the Cold War. A time where you could literally be killed for speaking your opinions in public if you said it in front of the wrong people. But now, you could do it and people would listen. Now, obviously Star Trek has had a long history and it's more than just the original series. Star Trek The Next Generation came around and you had a brand new cast, brand new main focus. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart, the order that he would stand up and speak and people would listen. And he got to take all of the traction that the original series had and push it even further. 
he and his caste continued to push the messages of equality, of race, of everything that mattered. But most importantly to us today, they addressed a subject that mattered sort of at the time, but matters to us so much now. The fear of technology. The fear that technology could continue to grow so vast and so all-encompassing for our lives that all of a sudden you could blink and it had taken over so much of us, so much of everything that we were as human beings that we didn't even recognize who we were or what we were anymore. Does that sound familiar right now? Does that sound a little bit like the conversation that we've been having about social media and the internet and how much things have just changed because technology continues to grow and expand? They were able to talk about the meaning of life and the importance of an individual life. Where is life? Where is that line? Where does it start? Why does that matter? And they were able to do it with an android. A crew member who was trying to understand humanity, who was trying to understand what all of the rest of his crew understood by birth. And continually, the plot came back to trying to question, is he alive? Is he human? Why is he human? And once again, that's the same conversation that we've been having with our own lives with, well, honestly, abortion, with new births. The conversations that we continue to have about the things that matter to us every single day at the very core of our literal existence, they were addressing that well before it became the popular thing for politicians to be talking about on the news. Deep Space Nine came around, and all of a sudden you had a series that focused so much on the line between church and state. Where was that line? Why does it exist? Why is it important that they both should exist in harmony? But at the same time, this was a show that also addressed the, uh, the topic of terrorism. The topic of where is the line between terrorist and freedom fighter? Why do we see a line? What happens when society that we know is suddenly engulfed in the idea that our neighbors could be someone that we don't understand that could actually be out trying to hurt people? They addressed the topic of war in a new light, a war that became so all-encompassing that they had to find where's that line between freedom and safety. The same conversations that only half a decade later we had to be addressing ourselves after 9-11. But they did it in the mid-90s. Star Trek has always been able to talk about things that we couldn't. Not really. And then, as Star Trek continued to do it, other creators of ner nerdy entertainment saw that and realized we can do that too. As long as we take the things that we want to talk about, the messages that we have, and we frame it in this big ball of fantasy, this new, grandiose vision of something that's not life today, but that's fun, people will listen. 
the X-Men have been able to have the conversation of equality between race and sexual orientation for decades. But people don't argue about it because they're mutants. It's superpowers. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was able to have an entire show surrounding the idea of the difficulties as we try to grow up and find our place in life, but at the same time have the conversation about loss. Deep, dramatic, personal loss. They were able to talk about hard, abusive relationships, rape. They were able to talk about things that we can't talk about in polite uh, company because it's just too hard. But the second you throw vampires in the mix, it's easier. Star Trek started the idea that you could have a conversation about things that mattered and the rest of pop culture has followed. Unfortunately, from an outside perspective, all of that conversation, this new language that has been created that we call fandoms is seen as comic conventions and cosplay and things that are just juvenile entertainment. But to those of us that are part of the nerdy community, we see it as a way to talk about things that matter to us without needing to worry about apologizing for the conversations we're having just because somebody outside of our group doesn't understand what we're saying. So yes, Star Trek has made a massive change in the way that we communicate. It has changed the perception of nerd culture all around the world. And yeah, when I was growing up, being a nerd was an embarrassing thing to admit. But not anymore. So yeah. My name's Brad. And I'm proud to say that I'm a nerd. Thanks.